is 1.37 p.m. Stories of hustle and grind from the intersection of culture, style, music, and sports. Welcome to the 1.37 p.m. podcast. I'm your host, Omari White, and we have a special guest today. This guy is a financial guru, an author, an entrepreneur. He does it all. He goes by the name of Jeremiah Brown. How you doing today, man? What's going on? Oh, I'm doing uh, pretty good. How about yourself? I'm good. Can't complain. It's Thursday. It's kind of nippy outside, but <laughs> we getting it through the day, you know? Yeah, That's yeah, all yeah, we can man. do. We're going to hustle through it, man. Exactly, you know? <laughs> exactly. Now, I was giving everybody a brief bio about you, but, but let the world know who is Jay Brown. Like, What makes you so brilliant being a young mastermind inside this you know, financial game you're playing in today? Got it. Yeah, so I'm, I'm just an ordinary person living an extraordinary life. Actually, my background comes from, uh, I'm from Brooklyn, New York. Uh, I worked in finance for about two years, played basketball. Um, you know, I did, I did pretty much the uh, normal, you know, spill. And, uh, you know, I got enlightened one time and one day. I actually heard the uh, Jay-Z album one morning, and uh, that kind of sparked my interest in, you know, writing a book on financial literacy. And I leveraged my background in finance to, you know, create a step-by-step guide to, uh, you know, help anybody, the ordinary person kind of, you know, build their way into uh, financial, you know, um, freedom and um, economic mobility. It pretty much came from some sort of, uh, you know, spark and interest in wanting to teach and educate people that kind of helped me uh, launch a book. So, but yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> That's dope right there. That's Thank dope. You. Now, you recently wrote a book called Bank on You. Correct. You don't need an advisor. You need a financial education overhaul released in August. Right. It gives the actual reader like a financial awareness on another level as in just feeding them how to get out that that hump of working so damn hard for so long and still being debt and not having a reason about money to, to fall back on your retirement. Like, mm-hmm. can you explain in depth how were you able to come up with the with the formula to, to even expand mm-hmm. further into making sure the person who's working so damn hard reap the benefits? Yeah. So again, going back to my background, you know, um, I did, you know, uh, start working. Uh, I did the nine to five job pretty much. Um, but, you know, I just wanted to personally. Right. I wanted more for myself. And um, it's, it's it, obviously having a nine to five job is um, OK, but you want to make sure that you are building, you know, your legacy, mm-hmm. you know, whether it be through your nine to five or, or it can be outside of that. So for me, uh, the spark and interest came from wanting to do more than just what existed in the norm. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it's an interesting story. I worked for a credit suites, right, for two years out of college and I saved every single penny that I could. Mm-hmm. Right. Because for me, it was I wanted to do more than just work. Right. However, I was still in the finance industry. Right. Um, so the pay was pretty good. But um, so I saved up every single penny that I could that year, minus rent, minus any other expenses. And with that money, I launched my own company. Right. I was able to launch a mobile application. And uh, this application was, uh, it's called uh, Cyclone HD. Mm-hmm. What it did was the light will rotate around the cylinder, um, similar to the uh, game, you know, Cyclone Redemption, that right. arcade game. Right. Uh, and I turned it, I kind of spun it into an app. Mm-hmm. Once I released it, I immediately had 25,000 downloads in the first day. That's amazing right, right there. <laughs> right, like, it's crazy. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. <laughs> For me, it was, mm-hmm. um, it was bigger than that. It kind of opened up my mind to understanding that I did have value to give outside of where I just worked, you know. And uh, that literally kind of helped me spearhead, you know, another development after that in which I, you know, obviously, you know, I launched uh, Bezel Hub. Bezel Hub is a peer-to-peer platform connecting people to jewelry. It was always that, you know, curiosity of wanting more and that interest in wanting to build a legacy that kind of, you know, helped propel me into that world. So 
Now, mm-hmm. I'm glad you mentioned those two applications that you mm-hmm. developed because they could two completely different outlets of regarding towards reaching a certain demographics. Right, right. Now, I wanted to know how were you able to make those connections with those people who can help you attract those those demographics or could attract the people who's interested in watches or who's interested in mm-hmm. making sure they, they, they have a great time with the first um application you created and whatnot. Right, right. It's funny. Um so again I was able to build traction from my first uh mobile device, right? Mm-hmm. However, um we all know that in this world it's a lot about the connections that actually propel you moving forward. Right. So one day actually somebody reached out to me and uh this person happened to be my old college roommate. Interesting. <laughs> and he said, listen, my dad, he's uh, extremely interested in your product, the sales that you were able to accumulate. He loves what it represents. Mm-hmm. And he wants to go in as an equity partner. And nice. for me, I didn't know anything about business, right? I didn't know anything about the back end of business. I just knew about, I just wanted to create a legacy. I wanted to create a product. So um, that connection that, that I didn't even know his dad happened to be the VP of uh, Boston Consultant Group at the time. Wow. Right. So he said, listen, he introduced me to his father. Mm-hmm. Um, his dad said to me, li- he literally said this to me. He said, how much do you want? I'm interested in coming in as an equity partner. How much are you looking for? I said the, the largest number I could think of <laughs> at the time. <laughs> Can't be like, settling at the end of the day. I, you got to, you know, play hardball. You, you got to play hardball. You know your me, material, you know? Me, I lowballed myself. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, literally, I said, he said, what's your number? I said, uh, so 75. That, so you made a rookie mistake a at the end of the day. It's all good. Move. It helps to the best of us, Definitely. you know? <laughs> and, and that's what I love about business. You know, it's mm-hmm. a constant journey of learning, you know? But mm-hmm. again, I, I told him, listen, 75, you know, you give me $75,000, we can make a deal. Mm-hmm. He said, cool. Right. But what was more important was what he the knowledge that he gave me. He basically said, right, the first step that we're going to do is we're going to incorporate this this business. I now mind you guys, I wasn't even incorporated at the time, but I was generating revenue. Right. I was basically a sole proprietor. Right. And he said, listen, what you can do is you can create a C corporation because you can issue shares. So for those who are listening, probably know this. A C corporation allows you to issue shares, right? So you can raise capital. Oh. Those are what a lot of you know tech companies in Silicon Valley look for in, in investing into a product. Right. So for me, I was like, okay, fine, I'll do that. Right. <laughs> he literally said, he, he, we're going to go to the bank, mm-hmm. and I'm going to have you check out, uh, create a business checking account. And again, I followed. I said, okay, cool, we'll do right. that. <laughs> right. Right. But he left me with something very important. He said, in any game, right, in any game that you play, even a game of business, you have to know the rules and structure and understand how the how the game is meant to be played. And in the game of business, this is how it's played. Basically, you have to cover your basis by structuring your company and playing it safe. So I was, well, it was like an awakening for right, me. <laughs> right, right, right. So, for anybody starting a business. Right. So uh, again, going back to the 75000 I felt mm-hmm. like I got paid to learn. Okay. You know what I mean? So it's like That's, a mentorship kind of thing, which he's it. basically grooming to your success where you're at right now. Yes, yes, that absolutely. Makes, That's absolutely, good. Right. Um, and it kind of mm-hmm. helped me, you know, moving forward. Like when mm-hmm. I created my next company, when I got into real estate, um, when I wrote a book, I was able to, you know, kind of structure it and incorporate it in a way that um, kind of reduces my tax liability mm-hmm. and allows me to protect myself from any sort of people trying to, you know, right. whatever, yeah, lawsuits, yeah. et cetera. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, but yeah, it was mm-hmm. about the protection for sure. That's dope right there, man. Like, did some little research about you. Mm-hmm. Went on YouTube. <laughs> See, you made appearance on Cheddar. And uh, the concept of your appearances, you gave what I call the cheat code of investing. Mm. When you tell everybody that it's okay to dive into your 401k to, to invest in yourself, can you, like, explain in depth for the people who didn't, who seen themselves, like, are you serious? Like, <laughs> why the hell would I 
touch my 401k when I'm put work so damn hard to to to, to like you know rack up right. and, and try to you know make it stretch as long as possible. Right, like, right, right. Yeah. So um, it's funny the the 401k is seen as the sacred cow, right? It's like mm -hmm. this taboo thing you can't touch. You'll get penalized, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. We're taking out your money. Right, right, right. <laughs> that's what everybody's uh, saying. Like, really? Like, no way in hell will I do that. Exactly. But, yeah, that's a big sense. Right. However, um, you know, there's there are people out there who um want to access the capital to, you know, invest in their dream and build their wealth. They do have income to subsidize it or offset it. Um, but they don't understand that there are also vehicles that you can leverage in order to help you, you know, kind of spearhead your way to, you know, building wealth. And the 401k is actually one of those vehicles. Um, so again, what you can do is, what people don't know is you can borrow up to $50,000 um, in an 18 month period and pay yourself back at an interest rate that you set. Interesting. Right? So you're not paying your bank, you're paying yourself. So, interesting. <laughs> you understand? So I recommend this only if you're buying a performing asset. Obviously, if you're buying real estate that produces right. cash flow that gives you enough money to cover the cost of your 401k and gives money in your pocket, that's fine. But um, it's definitely an avenue or vehicle that people can use, you know, moving forward. Now, how can somebody who's looking to to take the beginning stages of investment mm -hmm. could use your your advices to help them like navigate to, to success rather than just experiencing the type of, you know, setbacks and figuring out how to get out of the, the hole they, they dug themselves in? Yeah, uh, well, you know, in my book, Bank on You, I kind of talk about um, before investing, you kind of have to know where you are financially, right? And and obviously the, the most generic, <laughs> the mm -hmm. basic thing you can do is start a budget. Mm -hmm. But I kind of created a, a budget 2.0. You know, this is a budget for the future. Gotcha. And that is understanding, um, you know, what your daily expenses and income is, right? And are, excuse me. Mm -hmm. um, so you want to track your expenses down to the day, right? You want to track your income and break it down to the day. So you can create a budget, right? A monthly budget to track your income and expenses, but divide it by the amount of days in a month and you will get your current standing, where you are, what it costs per day to live and how much you make per day. So this is a great assessment to see where you are financially and what money you have on the table that you can be used, that can be used towards investing or doing whatever you want. Right. So um, yeah, definitely creating a budget. Um, once you create your budget, you know, obviously people want to now go into investing. Uh, you should definitely look into the stock market as one form of building wealth. However, when you invest in stocks, I highly recommend that you focus on fundamentals, right? And that is, you know, everybody will tell you to invest in the next Airbnb mm -hmm. or the or IPO that's going to be released. However, we know historically people right. get slaughtered doing right. that, right? <laughs> so you want to focus on dividend producing, um, you know, cash flow producing uh, stocks, things that, you know, have low PE ratios. PE ratios means price to earnings. Mm -hmm. um, historically, price to earnings ratios under 20 indicates that it's a pretty good viable stock. Also look at price to book value. That means that if the stock implodes, you wanna, they're gonna sell it at its book value. That's where it's really worth. You right. wanna see where that is as well. Um, you know, that's a good metric. There's so many metrics, but I think the overall concept of investing is understanding the fundamental analysis of what you're investing in. The basis, basically, and then, then from here on now, you could just, you know, blossom. Pretty much, grow. definitely. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's amazing right there. That's, that's dope. Now, I see you launched a podcast where you talk about, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> some financial topics that needs to be discussed in my eyes and families and friends. Right. And households worldwide, like, 
it's called bank on you. Like, can you can yes. you explain in depth, like, what's the premise of the actual podcast platform? Yeah, so the podcast is a spinoff on the book uh, Bank on You, and um, it's basically giving getting it in from my words, right? Okay. There's, there's people out there who may not like to read. Right, <laughs> I do right. have audio books, so if you guys want, you can check out the audio book. But people may not want to read, right? So you can go on my uh, the Bank on You podcast. I give it to you straight. Mm-hmm. Um, similar to Gary Vee. <laughs> well, I mean, he, he does it wrong. It's, wrong that, yeah, it's, wrong the, tone. it's the tone right, that's going to, you know, catch people it's, off guard. So, yeah. Tone, yeah. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I just, you know, give it to you straight. I kind of break down uh, the complex financial principles and theories and put it in a way that kind of is easy to digest. Okay. Sense. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. It's a conversation. Right. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Gotcha. Let's back up a bit. Okay. You wrote your book. You mentioned that you wrote your first book, My Financial Freedom, My Only Hope. Right. Which is an amazing book that everybody needs to check out. Thank you. And I feel that me being a, a big hip hop head, I noticed that you got the, the title of the book from <laughs> your artist Jay Z on right. the song Murder to Excellence on yeah, Watch yeah, the yeah. Throne. Now, I want to ask you how has Jay Z's music influenced your hustler's mentality and ambition to be a successful entrepreneur? at such a young age? Oh, wow, good question. Um, I personally think, uh, you know, obviously there's this old cliche of, you know, the urban kid in the community, mm-hmm. that Jay-Z raised you, mm-hmm. and I, that's mm-hmm. how I feel. <laughs> right. I feel as if, It's you the know, Brooklyn night in us, basically. It's the Brooklyn night in us, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, uh, I feel like Jay-Z gave us the tools in music. Mm-hmm. It's a very unique way to pass a message, right? Um, he did it sonically, so he was able to kind of share, you know, the, uh, the value of ownership, the value of entrepreneurship, value of wealth building and he did it in a way that kind of was galvanizing and he did it through music and that's something that you know i think was was pivotal you know to my success and i definitely uh appreciate that from him but yeah yeah same same the guy mc hold himself you know (laughs) he's still listen i'm still learning (laughs) exactly same same what What are some of hove's tactics in the business world helped you maneuver through the cutthroat business of the financial world for one, equanimity is key. Okay. Uh, mental composure, that's what that means. It means that you can, you have the ability to forego, you know, the instant gratification for a long-term, you know, gain. Um, also, you know, like the people you start with may not be the people who you end with, but you want to make sure that you have your uh, your real team in your corner, people mm-hmm. who you can trust and the people who, you know, you kind of have that real connection with throughout because there will be a lot of, a lot of crooks, obviously, Definitely. throughout your pursuit of um, financial freedom or uh, wealth building. And um, lastly, just have fun with it. Right. You know what I mean? Understand that this is a game. You know, like uh, the, the only problem with this game is there's a certain group of people who are playing it as a way of keeping score. Right. And the others playing it for survival. Right. But at the end of the day, it's a game. So you have to know the rules and you have to navigate it in a way that's fun for you in a sense. Right. My next question would be, if there was a whole song that mm-hmm. correctly describes your your hustle's ambition, your grind right now, what would it be and why? Like, What would be your ultimate Jay-Z anthem that fits your your grind and your success right now? Oh, man, that's... <laughs> yeah, so many. That's a tough one. That, that's, that's a really good question. Um, Can I name a few? <laughs> give me three, give me five. We got all, um, we got all day. <laughs> I, like, I, I like Coming of Age. Okay. You know, from his uh, old album. Right. Um, I like, uh, I do like 444. Okay. Um, Classic. Uh, excuse album. me, it's the story of OJ. Right. That's another good song that kind of helps me, my, my moves. Right. Um, understanding that it's a long game. Right. Trying to build a legacy. Mm-hmm. And um, also, 
Uh, man, it's, it was one more song that I actually uh, thought about. Which one was that? Hold on. <laughs> this was like this. We all good. This was a good one. Cole got so many classic so albums, many. Yeah, songs, yeah. moments. Um, so, oh, I like Black Republican with him and Nas. That's mm-hmm. a good song. Um, I'm not a Republican though. Right, right. right but <laughs> but I do like. I the get song. it. That's one of my favorite songs I grew up listening to it's in high mindset. school. So yes, yeah, exactly, and, exactly. Uh, and, and, oh, very key. It's called "So Ambitious." Right. It's very symbolic of life. Um, it kind of helps you understand that there will be doubters, there will be critics, there will be people who, you know, don't believe in your vision. But um, you just have to have that sort of, you know, poise and composure to just focus on the long game and focus on yourself and understand that you are in a race by yourself and you are your only competition. So that's why I love that. Nice. It kind of helps me have tunnel vision and stay focused. Exactly. On the goal. Now, in this game of life, even in the finance world, you want to have like many, you know, bumps passageways and all that stuff in route to your success you have mm-hmm. right now you was a real estate agent now can you tell everybody how you was able to, to have your hand inside that uh, industry yeah so um you know what people don't know about real estate is you don't really need a license to get into it <laughs> and uh that's kind of what i learned there's so many ways to get into real estate i started out investing in reits a reit is a real estate investment trust it's a stock right mm-hmm. it's a, actually a a stock that you can purchase that owns real estate. But beyond all of that, I went to I went in real estate as an investor. Mm-hmm. And uh, I found that the number one, you know, builder of wealth in America is real estate over technology. Really? <laughs> the number one because of builder. land, it, it 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 you could pass it down. You can pass it down, you can le- leverage it, you right. can it increases in value through appreciation, you can write off the taxes, obviously you can deduct the taxes. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, it's definitely something that even, you know, these the top people in technology, you know, use to preserve their wealth and grow it. So I think, uh, you know, you can definitely get into real estate as an investor for sure. And that's what I actually was able to do. We, so we heard the inspiration of why you got into investment right. in real estate and become an entrepreneur. Now, can you tell everybody how were you able to to get inside that business? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, So again, after I, you know, received that, you know, check, (laughs) that high or low Mm -hmm. check, you know, it's relative. um, I said to myself, what am I going to do with this? You know, Mm -hmm. I think that's definitely a a valid question to ask yourself as you get an influx of capital. Right. Um, And I remember when I was in college, um, one of my friends, his dad was also a um, owner of 25 McDonald's franchises. Okay. However, he owned the real estate under the property itself. And he said to me, Jay, listen, at the end of the day, always know that you should own anything that you get into because it produces cash flow for you. So I was, you know, that kind of stuck in my head. I love cash flow. Mm-hmm. You know, so like, you know, cash flow for you guys don't know, cash flow is basically the the money that you make after you pay your expenses or or um, account for any sort of you know liabilities, right? And you get that every single month. So um, for me, I love that. And that's what kind of sparked my interest in that real estate world. Now I was in North Carolina at the time and I didn't know, you know anything about real estate. So I had a family member in Delaware and they said to me, listen, um, you know, I asked them about the area and they told me about it. They said, it's gonna be a pretty good area. And he said, listen, for seven, you can buy a property for $75,000. Interesting. I had $75,000. So what you can do is in Mm -hmm. a property is what people don't know is you can leverage it. You can leverage debt, right? Um, Always remember guys that there's good debt and there is bad debt. But for me, 
um, I leveraged $25,000 of that 75. So that okay. was my first form of influx of cash that I allocated towards a physical property. So you was able to stretch out the $75,000 even more with the 25,000. You got it. By just, you know, putting that separately to something else. Exactly. That's and, smart and it's right funny there. because normally you can only put 25% down. I put a little bit more. <laughs> right. I just wanted to make sure like, you know, I wasn't over leveraging myself. Right. Um, and I had the capital, so I did it. But there are obviously ways that you can invest less. Right. There are um, advantages like a FHA loan. If you're a veteran, you get access to veteran loans. You can put anywhere from three to 10% down. But for me, I just wanted to use that, you know, 25,000 as that buffer. And then uh, I found that there was rent, right? The rent actually was worth more than my mortgage. Okay. The rent in the area was worth more than my mortgage. So if my mortgage was $350 a month, the rent was $850 a month. How? Because in the area, what people don't know is rent is different from a mortgage. Okay. Right? So rent is basically based on market price. So right. whoever, if, if there's a supply and demand, right? If people are paying $850 a month in rent in the area, right. then obviously you can charge that amount for if you're in that proximity. Mm -hmm. Whereas a mortgage, it literally depends on the financing. Okay. You know what I mean? I like see what you mean you're now. putting $25,000 or $75,000, that financing will kind of equate to whatever you can obviously pay monthly. Right. So those those numbers actually worked for me. Right. So I said, yeah, I definitely did it. I, I uh, hired a property manager. They charged me an 8% property management fee. Mm -hmm. And they took care of everything. They took care of tenants, whatever problems and issues the tenant had. Um, they took care of it. So for me, at the end of the day, I was making $350 a month, but that was cash flow. That was literally a, free money going into my pocket. Now, the benefit of me, and this is obviously, this, this varies, right? Because there are people who actually want to invest as a passive investor or somebody who wants to live in their investment. Right. We can argue if either of those are considered investments. Right. But, um, I think it depends on a person's situation. But for me, I wanted to invest as a passive investor. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I didn't want to live in that um, unit that I wanted to own. Right. I just wanted to own it and then make money off of it. Right. So, um, what I did was I initially got it to uh, rent stabilize, meaning that I had a tenant in there for about a year and a half mm -hmm. living in there. And then I refinanced, right? The property increased to 125,000. I took out my $25,000 and that was a hundred percent finance. So I had my money back. And the tenant and more. was paying that rent. Exactly. And, and, and I more. still have more in equity. And that's again, a, that's amazing right there. And again, I took the rules from my friend's dad mm -hmm. who said, listen, in any business, you want to know the game. You want to incorporate. So I incorporated that property under an LLC. So I was not personally liable for it. Right, right. Well, I, I mean, you are liable, mm -hmm, but you know mm -hmm. what I mean? You kind of have that buffer right. liability. So again, for me, the property wasn't in my name. Right. And it was producing that sort of rent roll. Now I didn't know, I didn't even know about Robert Kiyosaki around that time. Mm -hmm. I was just doing it because right. of one of my mentors. Right. But when, you know, I kind of read the Rich Dad Poor Dad book and I kind of, you know, started to, you know, really invest into learning what he does. Right. Kind of learned that, wow, he does similar things, but at a larger scale. Right. You know what I mean? So, but that's pretty much the uh, basis of what I was able to do to build wealth in real estate. <laughs> now, what's your idea of locations you think up and coming entrepreneurs should look into as far as creating their own business or starting their own business? And you're referring to industry or? In this, any industry, mm -hmm. whether it's, you know, 
starting a tech uh, startup company in, in California? Like, what would be like one of those secret hitting gems of a location where a location. they can be able to 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 start and, and blossom and have a successful business in that area? Yeah, so there are a lot of, um, you know, growing areas, obviously, that you can leverage outside of Silicon Valley. Um, and you can start in your backyard. But there are, um, you know, areas that you can begin to um, get in technology in. One is Milwaukee. Milwaukee is a growing industry. Um, they're actually investing heavily in tech hubs. Detroit is another area. Um, these are all areas that were abandoned at mm -hmm. one point. You know what I mean? People kind of didn't see value in. And now they're actually moving technology into these areas to grow it. So I think uh, tech is going to be the forefront of, you know, our future moving forward. And it will kind of create jobs. And um, you'll see the cities actually emerge <laughs> in the next, you know, 10 to 20 years with these sort of, you know, tech implementations and hubs that they're building. How do you feel about families, like, getting involved in, in communities as, mm -hmm. like, rent-based instead of just, you know, going all in with, like, you know, purchasing a home mm -hmm. or getting into, the, you know, making a mortgage? Yeah, yeah. So, um, again, it, it comes back to um, understanding the value of real estate, right? Mm -hmm. it, it is something that you can get into to actually build wealth. However, you know, you definitely have to know what you're doing. Like, uh, I'll give you an example. If you are a person, a first time home buyer who doesn't really know where to start in real estate, you don't, your income really doesn't, you know, support you taking on a huge leverage, mm -hmm. then maybe you, that's something that you shouldn't be doing. Mm -hmm. Maybe you should be building your money so that you can afford to, you know, get into real estate. However, um, being said, it's definitely something that you should do in order to build wealth because if you don't, you'll always be at the whims of your landlord or rent or somebody who you have to rent from. Right. The name of the game is who's in debt to who, right? If you don't own anything, you owe someone, right? So the goal is to be an owner of whatever it is that you live mm -hmm. or whatever it is that you own. Nice, nice. Speaking of what you where you live or where you mm -hmm. own, I see that you have was was a decent basketball player. Back in your days, you know, I played some you, some ball here and there. Especially, you know? <laughs> especially, uh, I did some research that how you was a a two time state champion for Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Played with um Lakers guard Lance Stevenson. Yes, yeah. How can you, you got to tell everybody how was the experience? <laughs> you know, playing with a guy who you know isn't is in the league courtside with LeBron James. Like, how is that? I mean, for it, you, it's it's funny. It's um, I obviously you know if you grew up in the city, you knew that in New York City. You knew that Lance was going to be that preeminent NBA player. Um, but watching him in high school was actually pretty good, too. Um, he was a man amongst boys, uh, in a sense. Mm -hmm. And um, it's funny to see how the transition, right, into the NBA, mm -hmm. where it's like, you know, now you are playing, you're playing against all of the top players in every single city. Right. And you're still doing good and you're still holding your own. Mm -hmm. So, man, that's actually even more admirable for me to see from him right. that he's able to still hold his own and continue to do well. So, now, yeah, But I definitely play with him, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, and speaking of top players, once upon a time, Lee was one of the top players yeah, in New York City. Yeah. And me being a former basketball player who who played in a high level, like the AU team, such as the Cachos and Riverside Hawks, who produced mm -hmm. national champions and NBA All-Stars, like, can you tell the listeners who was the toughest competition you played against and what basketball tournament you played in was the toughest ever it's funny we actually played against um drew holiday 
And that was at, uh, it was in Fort Myers. Gotcha. And man, that was actually, it was the toughest tournament. <laughs> and we happened to play against it's the toughest th player. Right. He was, he was, he was pretty good. Nice. Drew Holiday's pretty good. I don't think anyone could have it. No one had an answer for Drew Holiday. Mm -hmm. In fact, um, you know, he scored so many points one time. Lance sat down and was like, damn, now he's going to be ranked higher than me. <laughs> so uh, that was kind of cool. That was, that was, that was mm -hmm. funny to hear. But um, yeah, he was he was he was definitely uh, pretty good. Nice. Now overall, you didn't did it all. Basketball player has success. Real estate has success. Writing successful books. What like what kind of advice can you give aspiring entrepreneurs who's trying to you know use athletics to help them reach the level of success you're reaching at based off of the experience they they have in the playing fields? Yeah. So it, it comes down to a mindset. You know, and I think that's 90% of any game, um, being prepared mentally, having a confidence in the preparation, excuse me, having a preparation to have the confidence mm -hmm. is definitely key. Um, also, just to, you know, and no pun intended, to bank on you, <laughs> bank <laughs> on yourself, <laughs> and understand that um, you are going to be the person to propel you forward in life. You know, um, there will be people who help you along the way, but ultimately, you have to put yourself in that position to show them your value and approve your value. And I think um, having that, uh, you know, equanimity, I, talk, I spoke about the mental toughness, you know, just the, uh, the willpower to wanna be great. I think that can kind of help you in anything that you do moving forward outside of basketball or sports. Now, my next question to you would be, say for instance, mm -hmm. uh, there's a person who's two to three years off of college. They just right, graduated, right. but they still huge amount of still have a huge amount of, of debt they trying to pay off right what would your advice be to them if they're trying to invest in uh in some land or some property or try to get into the business world yeah yeah so it, it definitely depends on your personal situation i know for me um i had little to no debt mm -hmm. um when i got started and um i was able to obviously increase my wealth by leveraging debt <laughs> to pay off my pre-existing debt. Right. Um, but if you're a student, let's say you have $100,000 in student loan debt and you can't even afford to take out a mortgage if you want, but you want to get into real estate, there are other ways to do it. Um, one is what I spoke about uh, or what I'm going to talk about is REITs, Real Estate Investment Trust. Mm -hmm. These are things that, these are stocks that you can invest in that actually invest in real estate projects. So you can definitely be a part of real estate without having that exposure or liability or um, you know, barrier to entry. Right. So those are definitely uh, other metrics. Another metric I would use is um, just first assess your financial standing, right? So we have money for the most frivolous stuff. Right. Many people will say, I don't have money to invest in real estate, but yet you'll buy a, a trip, a expensive vacation worth $4,000. Some Jordans, some like Jordan sneakers, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Um, Guilty for that. Uh, you know, I'm <laughs> no, changing we, my ways. I'm listen, changing my ways. We all are. We all are. Even myself. <laughs> but um, again, I attribute it to having equanimity, right? Mm -hmm. Understanding that this is a long game, right? Understanding that real estate over time has increased. And you should understand your legacy. What is your legacy? What are you trying to build, right? And when you have this sort of, you know, understanding of where you want to go, this will kind of help you leverage whatever... Um, you know, avenue that you need to have to leverage in order to build that sort of wealth. So if you want to invest in real estate as a first time home buyer and you have to save up some money, save up the capital, see if you can, you know, invest in a REIT first, a real estate investment trust to see, to get some sort of success, right? When you get that success, 
you can leverage that money that you have from that to now, you know, take a step forward into buying a property. But you have to understand that the money that you have in debt will not go away. <laughs> right. That student loan debt still there. is going to be there. Mm -hmm. And it's adding on to the, the, the trillion of dollars of debt we are going through in the country. That you will accumulate in yeah. the future. Right. So what I'm saying is instead of taking on credit card debt, right, mm -hmm. um, from your vacations or your expenses, try to delay that instant gratification to for long-term gain and try to focus on building wealth on the back end so that you can have the capital to you know, invest in whatever thing that you want. Also, there are ways to get into real estate without going through a bank. Always remember this, people. There are ways to get into real estate without going through a traditional bank. A traditional bank will look at your, your overall financial picture. It's called your personal income statement and balance sheet. And they'll say, oh, wow, we are not loaning this person money. But there are private, private investors, right? There are people who have money, access to capital, who will still lend out money based on your income. So if you're making, if you're producing $100,000 in income and you have $100,000 in debt, but you wanna get into real estate because you have free cash in your hand, they will allow you to do this at a fair interest rate. So you don't have to go through a traditional bank. So there are other ways to kind of get into it. You can also raise money from friends and family to get in, um, but- Go, go fund me. <laughs> go fund me. <laughs> I, listen, I call it uh, raising capital. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, yeah, there's definitely ways to obviously get into that field for sure. One question I want to ask you. Mm -hmm. For the recent college grads, you know, it's hard for them to find jobs to get into their careers or just jobs in general. Mm -hmm. What advice or can you give them to help them get some ac actual consistent stream of revenue coming their way? Because everybody has a, a hustle to try to, mm -hmm. of another hustle, of another hustle. What can you do? What, what what kind of advice you could give to them from your experience that that will help them get get them on their feet? Uh, number one, I would recommend that we drop the sense of entitlement, you know, um, and understand that where you are now will not be where you finish, especially if you have that drive and that ambition. That's true. I right? agree. So if you do have to take on you know that job as an Uber driver, you know, and also you know, focus on your dream, right? Or if you're still looking for a job right now, right? figure out ways to um, leverage what your ability is, what your talent is, what, you know, what inelastic commodity that you can, can offer, you know, try to figure that out and then, you know, try to monetize it in the meantime. Or what you can do is educate yourself, right? Um, there's people, there are advocates of people who say you shouldn't go to school, you shouldn't go back to school to pursue your degree your master's degree, but I look at um, education as um, just that. It's literally educating yourself. So if you're going back to school to try to get your MBA and you think that can propel you to get a better job, I would say focus on the knowledge that you'll, you will acquire from that MBA program because that will kind of help you broaden your horizon. Okay. You know, so if you don't Come get- more, Much more marketable, much more mm -hmm. easy to hire, mm -hmm. much more qualified and And it and, and just gives you that, um, those skills that you need to even start your own company. Right. You know what I mean? Even like, you know, uh, work for another company, a Fortune 500 company. These mm -hmm. are these are things that, that you will always have, like this right. education, this skill set. This is something that will, will never kind of leave you, right? Mm -hmm. um, but ultimately, if you don't have the capital to go to school, um, self-educate yourself, you know? Right. <laughs> you can def there are so many tools mm -hmm. online, right, that you can use to educate yourself and get into any business. Nowadays, you can go to 
you can learn to code, right? And coding is is going to be extremely like this a commoditized thing that's going to be in demand in the future. So that's another thing that you can get into. Um, it's crazy but, that you mentioned coding because coding is pretty much ahead of its time because a lot of mm-hmm. people was doing it when MySpace came about. Definitely. You know? Definitely. And, so and it's funny. You, I didn't know it was going to make a comeback like that. But, yeah. And, and I think trade trade schools, you know, um, those are all other platforms that you can use. But uh, a lot of these trade programs are going to be in demand in the future, you know, because the access to education is going to go up. I don't even believe in that the whole pricing model of of education of mm-hmm. schools, mm-hmm. Uh, but there are there will be it will open up opportunities for people to get into you know trading programs to learn these skills that can yield them a ten x return on their money for you know whatever value that they put into the, the education and I think you know programming coding you know development that's going to definitely be at the forefront of our future. So nowadays you can go to school you can learn to code online. But if you want to go to school, you can pay $18,000, right? Take out a loan, whatever, mm-hmm. like you would <laughs> at a university. Right. And once you're done that with that boot camp, mm-hmm. you'll be making $150,000, $200,000. Whereas so sacrificing, sacrificing, sacrificing six just, months out of your life. <laughs> in, in your pockets in, and just mm-hmm. prospering. Yeah, so so that's another avenue that you can go down. You know? Right. But yeah, there, there, there's so many ways, you know, to kind of, propel you to that sort of, you know, financial freedom or economic mobility that you're looking for. Mm -hmm. But I think it ultimately comes down to your want. How bad do you want it? How much you depend on yourself rather than depending on others to, you know, give it to you. You know what I mean? Or hand it to you. Right. So I think um, just having, you know, just banking on yourself again. You know, that's why the book is called Bank on You. It's literally about you taking control of your life. And um, you know, just creating that wealth for yourself that you look that you want. Dope, dope. Now, lastly, I want to ask you, what's your what's your formula of success from the grind and, mm-hmm. and the ambition you put into? What would be your definition of it? So, success for me is uh, legacy. So, everything that I do, I uh, go in it with the intent of building a legacy, right? So, when I wrote a book, I said I want to build something that outlives me. Mm-hmm. that you know my great grandchildren can say oh wow my grandfather was an author and here's his work mm-hmm. you know um even with real estate like i want to be able to leave something for the next generation mm-hmm. to have access to capital the thing that i didn't have right so i think um for me it's just literally focusing on a legacy focusing on what are you going to build that leaves a footprint a hundred years from now right 200 years from now right and i focus on the long game and that kind of helps me kind of you know do the things that I need to do to build and grow. Nice. In that world. So is there anything you want to say to our, our listeners right now? I want to thank you guys, obviously, for tuning in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm pretty accessible. You guys can uh, reach out to me on social media. I am uh, located on I am Jeremiah B. That is my uh, Instagram handle. That is also my Twitter handle. And uh, feel free to reach out. Definitely. I'm, I'm pretty uh, accessible and personable, so <laughs> feel free to call me. Well, Jeremiah, this is a, it was an honor for you to you know come through the 1.37 p.m. studios. Thanks for having me. It was an honor to be here. I appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to, to chop it up with me. And everybody, this is Omari White, and I'm signing out. Peace. This is 1.37 p.m. Own your future. Start this minute. 1.37 p.m. is a Gallery Media Group original production.